What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. It is Tuesday, so that means it's another episode of the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Network. I am Adil Royster, chill ride, chill vibes. Uh, weird ass NBA sequences the last like 48, 72 hours or so. And Liberty Ballers is all over it as far as like who's available for what game and what games are being played, what games are being postponed. We know a game wasn't postponed, even though the Sixers only had seven guys and a road cone the other night. But hey, whatever. It's not it's not my league. It's not my league. If it was my league, these guys would, would all be in bubbles right now, because I don't know if you guys remember this, but global pandemic. Not sure if you guys forgot, but it, it's still here. It's still a thing um, on the pod today. I got a first timer. Uh, it's Jackson Frank. He was a writer for Liberty Ballers um, back in 2018, took some time off, and he's back. And he's back with a vengeance, folks. He's not messing around. Uh, so he's back, and he's on the pod. Jackson, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing about as well as I can. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm just, I'm just like everybody else, just, just waiting for that call from the primary care provider. Just like, listen, your vaccine is ready. Come get this thing. Let's go. <laughs> Right on. I feel that. I hear that. You wrote a column about the Sixers building an offense and how it's thriving. Uh, it's it's different because the pieces involved this year as opposed to last year. And the whole column is basically Embiid thriving in these new systems and these new actions. Um, what have you noticed most about it so far? We'll just start with real general terms right now. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is he's he's a lot more willing when the double teams come to just make the simple read. Um, I felt like in past years, you know, when he would get double a lot, it seemed like he would try to like do everything and make you know make this really complex pass or find the the open man across the court who was wide open for three. And a lot of times that re would result in in turnovers. He would he would it'd be an inaccurate pass or the doubles would collapse and he would he'd fumble it away. And so this year it just feels like he's a lot more comfortable. You know, the double comes and he, he throws the ball back out to the to the guy who's making the entry pass in the wing and the ball rotates around and they get an open shot or a good look out of it. So that's that's kind of the biggest thing I think on the most simple terms. He just is more trusting of the personnel around him. And I don't know how that stems or what that stemmed from. Maybe, you know, Embiid has all the popularity and he's announced as the process and he's it's basically his team. So... I don't know, maybe he just got it in his head that like he has to do everything. Um, he he talked about so I think I finished that column in between the game against the, the second game against the Hornets and the game against the Nets or no, the Wizards, excuse me, they played the Wizards on Wednesday. Um, and so I think he talked about it post game against Charlotte last Monday. And he just said that he felt like too often he would get kind of discouraged. You know, he when he would pass it out last year, at least, you know, the 
that they would miss too many shots. And so it, it led him to this belief that he just had to do everything. Right. Um, and I think he's talked about that even previously. I, I want to say, I, I was trying to find the interview when I was writing that piece, but I want to say when the Sixers acquired Tobias Harris uh, two years ago, uh, they played the Nuggets that first game when, when Mike Scott, Boban, and Tobias all played. And I think Embiid got the post-game interview on ESPN and he talked about who he just felt more co- he just trusted guys to make plays when they pa- when he passed the ball out. And so I think that's kind of a similar sentiment he's felt throughout throughout the years. You know, it's just a matter of, you know, the, the results around him um, when he makes the right read uh, coming to fruition. And that's kind of what it seems like this ro- roster uh, is instilling in him is that is that important trust. Digging into the column that you wrote a little bit. Uh, the first point question that I wanted to ask, because, you know, not everybody is familiar with this term, the, the term of the hockey assist, right? Like, so what's the what's the college level 101 course definition of like the hockey assist as it pertains to basketball? Um, so I think the actual uh, t- definition in, uh, in in hockey is if you make the pass that leads to the pass to the to the goal or the point, I guess, uh, that would be you, the person who made the first pass would get credit for it. So in, in basketball, the idea would be that it, let's say Embiid, you know, is double in the post. He passes it to Danny Green. Danny Green passes it to Seth Curry, who rotates it to Tobias Harris for an open three in the corner. Um, everyone on that kind of chain of events leading up to it, Seth, Tobias, and Joel would all get a, an assist, like some sort of assist. Obviously, Joel and Danny would get hockey assists, and the actual assist would come from Seth for making the pass. So it's just a way of, you know, classifying or categorizing or um i guess charting charting would be the best way to put it it's just like helping make plays even if you're not directly involved in the assist itself i i feel like in the coming years like the that kind of assist like you're gonna find it on basketball reference and like stat nerds are gonna be all over it <laughs> yeah i think i think mba.com does track secondary assists which is one pass away from one pass away but a lot of times this year from Embiid, we've seen it take three or four passes after he, you know, he gets rid of it against the double team for, for a shot to actually, uh, you know, be, be attempted. Um, but I do think secondary sits haven't been added, but for sure, I could see that in the coming years by we're in 2023 and we're, we're citing, you know, hockey assists in some article as an official stat on NBA.com or basketball reference for sure. You do realize that since you've said that secondary assists are tracked on NBA.com, you realize I'm just going to spend the rest of my afternoon and evening <laughs> tracking secondary assists of like Sixers players <laughs> of the last like three seasons. You've it's, just, it's incredible. You've just, the... you've just built my afternoon and evening, Jackson. So just thank you for that right now. Yeah, you, you can waste so much time. On it's insane. Stats. Yeah, the stuff, the stuff they chart nowadays is pretty remarkable. You can have a lot of a lot of fun or go down too many rabbit holes. Way too many rabbit holes. For an entire evening and then the day's gone. So You quoted Embiid as saying that he's rekindled the love of passing. And it does kind of show up. Uh, in the column, you noted that he has uh, 3.7 turnovers per 100 possessions. Uh, at the time of this taping, he's up to 4.5. It's still a career best. So you can definitely see how he is being more secure or maybe more determined with, a de- with his decisions this season. Yeah, for sure. I, like I said, I think that in the heat, I think at the end of that article, it's talk about how he he kind of just realized to, to get rid of it is what he was saying obviously it is the ball and you can see that a lot of times in the games he's played for the most part um you know that double team comes and he just immediately passes to the open man you know if, if the if the first man is to, you know if let's say danny green makes the entry pass and then the defender rotates over and then 
that simple pass isn't there. He's, he's taken one or two steps through and then finding it to the guy, maybe at the top of the key or the other wing. Um, so yeah, he just seems more willing to make the simple play. Like, like I said, it seems like at times, and he's felt this way too, as, as I quoted that he just seems like it, in past years, he felt too, too burdened to make the, to do everything. Whereas now it's like he trusts his teammates and he knows that if, you know, if the ball gets swung around to, to Seth Curry, Tobias or Danny Green or, or Shake Milton or something in the corner or on the wings, something good's going to happen. And he, he, it didn't seem like he felt that way with, with past versions of the roster around him. And we've talked about this a bunch on LibertyBallers.com as well as the podcast network. Like the new roster definitely allows for this kind of thing, like where you actually have shooters now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have Seth Curry, who's one of the best off-ball shooters in the NBA. You you saw how much the offense missed him, I think, in that loss to Brooklyn. Obviously, some of the struggles were they just didn't have it. They you know they made easy easily unforced mistakes. They they relate with some things, but you saw how maybe the offense didn't run quite as smoothly without him. Um, Danny Green's obviously a very accomplished off-ball shooter, and I mentioned in the article that Danny Green is someone who who knows how to play off of good post-up players. He's played yep. along alongside Lamar Aldridge and Tim Duncan. Played last year, and won a title with LeBron and AD. Um, even Kawhi and Toronto ran some stuff out of the post. So um, I think that's kind of an underrated aspect of all of this is having a, an off-ball shooter who is both very good at shooting and understands that he can he can give guys tips. You know, just like hey, you don't have to cut to the rim. You don't have to feel like you have to be moving all the time. Just hold your position, and the ball come around you and and so he knows how to communicate with Joel and talk about you know how Joel likes positioning and how he likes entry passes and stuff. So um, I think there are a lot of factors, but that one I think is a pretty big one. And I think so far you've seen the benefits of having a guy like Danny Green, even if it's been kind of an up and down start of the year for him. Um, you definitely see how he's able to kind of impart his experience on some of the other guys who aren't maybe as as well versed in playing in in an offense as kind of the inside out. Um, but yeah, the roster itself has certainly been you know. Tobias Harris has been more willing to, sh- to let it fly at times this year. Um, Tobias Harris has been very good this year as, as far as just like yeah. catching, shooting, letting it go. Just like no yeah. thinking, just shooting. Yeah. And obviously, you know, Shake Milton hasn't been great from three to start this year yet, but he's been, he's been very good in his role. He's still getting, he's, he's scoring very well. I think overall, even if the threes haven't fallen yet, um, Seth is Seth, as I mentioned, Danny's Danny, um, even Tyrese Maxey is starting to come into his own or more obviously. So um, there's, and, and Ben Simmons too, even, you know, there's, there's a lengthy part in that piece about how Ben Simmons is learning to play off of Embiid and how to, you know, because he isn't someone who the ball gets swung around. If, if Ben catches it in the corner, you know, he's not going to shoot that three very often. It's not going to, it's not going to be very effective, but he's learning how to, to whether it's screening, cutting, you know, dive into the rim. He's learning how to, to be a, a viable off ball player and benefit from the attention that, you know, Embiid commands in the post. I like how you put that there. Like shake is shake. Danny is Danny. And like Ben is Ben. And, you know, when it comes to shake and Danny green, yeah, they're not having great starts to the season, but like you have to, feel that you know things will regress back to the mean or you know it'll just get back to like where they are naturally going to be percentage wise yeah for sure and i think i tweeted out before whatever we do we want to call saturday's thing a game whatever that was the, the that, that that rec league scrimmage whatever yeah. the hell that was i yeah. think he was at like 39 and a half percent from three before that game i think and i think he ended up going like four of 17 against nuggets because he was playing de facto point guard for long oh stretches. But, but, but the point being is that when when this roster has been healthy and available he has kind of found his footing as a floor spacer um and, and shake even though he's only at about i think i want to take 27 and a half percent from three um he is shooting kind of an absurd uh 59 on two pointers this year because he's Ooh. been so good kind of you know attacking closeouts hitting those tough leaners from the elbows finishing with either hand 
Um, so he's finding ways to still benefit from the attention that Embiid has in the post. Um, and eventually, you know, the, the shooting's going to come back. I don't think he's going to shoot 43% from three like he did last year, but he was a very good college shooter. He's still at about 38% for his career in the NBA so far. Um, he's going to figure it out and, and be the viable floor spacer um, that, he, that he was last year. And, and, uh, and he's been able to work around that because he's been so good inside the arc. Um, so I'm not worried. And I think this offense is very much built built around Embiid. And that's not something you could you can say for a lot of the years he's been in Philadelphia and, and healthy and playing well. As, as much as I do enjoy a nice, uh, crisp Embiid pass out of a double team, uh, something that I've also noticed a lot in the first, you know, 10 games of the season so far is just Embiid offensively just getting the ball deeper, right? Like you don't see him like start off in or, in or around the three-point arc like he's in the paint like in half court even in transition there have been plays where ben will get the rebound and joel will be sealing like two feet under the basket in transition and i'm just thinking to myself wow can, can we get more of that yeah that so that was something that um, you know, it was talked up a lot about in training camp and obviously training camp is the time to talk up any and everything within your team. And so, and I feel like every year we, we hear the last few years, it's like, Oh, you know, Embiid's he's, he's really worked on conditioning. He's in the best shape of his life. And it hasn't always proven to necessarily be true, but this year it definitely seems that way because he is, he is hauling his tail up the floor. A lot of times to get those deep catches. I think after the first game of the year, uh, there was one play, I think, in the first half where Embiid missed one. Of, he ran really hard in transition. And he missed one of those layups right into the basket. And Doc said that Embiid told him, like, he wasn't used to catching the ball that deep. And so he, right. was, all, he was all kind of out of sorts. He didn't realize how close he was to the basket. Um, so, yeah, you're seeing more of those. Like, I, I, have, you, I don't think that's something you can really track. But, like, it definitely seems like that is happening way more just on an anecdotal level, like, where he's getting deep position. Um, the jumper's been really good to start the year too. Like even when he is kind of not, not necessarily settling, but when he does catch you kind of that mid post area, um, he's hitting the jumpers and it just feels like his buckets are coming a lot easier. Like I think back to that, that 2018, 19 year, um, he had to work so hard in the first part of the season was playing a bunch of minutes. Then by the all-star break, his knees were shot. He had to sit out five or six games. Um, it's because he was working so hard on both ends. And this year it feels like things are coming easier on offense and you're seeing him, get back to kind of that that maybe that rookie year level defensively um that we saw he's obviously been very good defensively every year but it feels like this is kind of the best he's been on that end since his rookie year because the offense is coming easier for him um you know obviously some of that's the double teams but in, in even when and then when he does pass out of doubles as you mentioned like teams are playing him in single single coverage and he's he's the best post player in the nba and you leave him one-on-one it's it's asking for a bucket or a foul that's i mean that's that's what everyone is saying in these these media sessions and whatnot and that's what Embiid says and it sounds kind of like you're you're tooting your own horn but it but it's true because teams have not been able to stop him in the post with single coverage because he's he's really good at drawing fouls he's got great footwork he's really quick for a seven foot seven two guy i'm at his size super strong too so um it's been a really really impressive start to the year for him both as a passer and and then when he doesn't have to pass, he's just crushing guys at one-on-one because he's, he's really good at that too. And that leads me perfectly into the idea of like the new amounts of spacing because Embiid will catch it in the post and he won't be swarmed by like two or three defenders because, you know, Al Horford's defender comes in, Tobias's defender comes in, Ben's defender comes in, like they're shooters and like he has space to move and work and do all those fancy funny little pivots that he does all over the paint and yet like you're either giving up a bucket or a foul so one or the other folks go ahead go take your pick yeah it really i mean it really is a pick your poison thing i, I think i mentioned toward the end of it it will be interesting to see you know 
if 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 slash when they do encounter a team that has someone who can guard him one-on-one in the post there aren't very many of those guys but a lot of them do happen to play for some of the best teams um, which is how it generally generally works but i am curious to see how how the offense works if if you know we saw a little bit of that um in the game against new york against brooklyn where mb was getting doubled and they couldn't hit the the threes i'm curious to see kind of the inverse if Embiid's playing single coverage and he can't quite score how that works but the big thing is the spacing too like doc has talked a lot about being purposeful in your position off the ball um it seemed like too often the last couple of years guys like tobias and al have just kind of aimlessly cut slash wandered into the paint without much purpose and so this year like it seemed like there's a very much concerted effort like okay you're you're a spot-up shooter you're a cutter like you know your role off the ball around and be like Embiid is our centerpiece and we're going to do everything we can to be as precise as possible to make sure everyone around him knows what their designation is. Um, and that's making it easier for him. It, it, it's easier for Embiid to, you know, discern decisions, whether it's as a passer or a scorer, if he knows, okay, that guy's going to stay in the corner. This guy, he could cut, so I got to be on the lookout for him to dive. This guy at the top of the key, Seth's going to stay where he is. Danny might relocate a little bit to get to make his shot easier if I pass it to him. Um, just seems a lot more purposeful and, and the coaches have understanding exactly how to, you know, maximize an offense build around a, a dominant post scorer like Embiid. And Doc even said so in the quote that you referenced in the comments, just like shooter stay, cutters move. And that just creates more, you know, dynamic actions and just like things that Embiid has to be mindful of and other players have to be mindful of. Like you said, like this guy may relocate to this part of the key. Maybe that leaves this space open. And Simmons is cutting has actually been a little bit better. And something else that you quoted, uh, Ben Simmons said, everything we do on the floor has purpose. And you can definitely see that as you watch the half court offense kind of do their thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the biggest thing. And there's, I mean, one of the other quotes in there part of the quotes is like i think docs is like we need to make sure joel knows where the answers are which is like kind of a cool thing to say and then he also talked about how as, as i said earlier like if that was a good knows, quote. i love that quote yeah docs doc has a, had a lot of really good quotes you know just in generally <laughs> but, but this stuff relating to kind of how to build an offense around a beat he had some really colorful language and cool ways of <laughs> things um but but yeah, so and like like it's like I said, it's easier for Joel. Like if he knows what everyone's going to do, or generally what their role is around him, um, he can make the right play. Whereas in years past, like he doesn't know if Tobias or Al Horford is going to spot up where they are or dive to the rim. Um, he didn't know what Embiid or he didn't know what Simmons is going to do. Obviously, Simmons kind of has a little more of a multifaceted role because it's challenging for him because he's not just going to be able to spot up. Spot up. He he could dive. He can cut. He can screen. Um, but if he at least knows kind of where to where things are coming from and how they're going to unfold when he has the ball in the post, it makes things easier. Um, but yeah, I think purpose is, is really the key thing, kind of the best phrase to, to kind of summarize why it's working, that everyone has a purpose and there's no wasted movement or wasted roles around Embiid or wasted decisions from Embiid himself. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And I know I referenced this before on a podcast where uh, Doc was more talking about we don't we're not really running plays this early in the season. We're more just running like a bunch of actions, just like an action here, an action there. And it helps to have just a general flow chart as to like what everybody's doing and at times the last two seasons it just didn't seem like there really was any kind of roadmap yeah I th- yeah i think at least last year i think part of it was like and I, I think for a lot of brett's tenure he did a good job as a coach overall you're not saying otherwise but i think last year especially it just seemed like they needed a new voice like it wasn't necessarily brett's fault entirely but just like there wasn't as much belief in the system that brett was running and you could see that in the way you guys approached cutting screening moving um just with more apathy than they do this year um but yeah i think the big thing is like as you mentioned kind of there's just a lot of you know flexibility in what they want to do offensively there are certain sets that i'm sure they run but um i think as the season's been progressing you can tell um you know there are times where Embiid will catch the ball at the top of key and you can either he can get the ball to Tobias, and they can run kind of one of those pick and rolls around the free throw line. He can he can run and do a dribble handoff with you know Seth Curry. He can do something with Simmons near the rim. Um, and so I think as the season's going on, you're seeing these guys understand more. Like it's not quite as structured maybe as we're accustomed to, um, but we have a lot of flexibility. There's counters. You know, if the first play dies, you don't have to just you don't have like we have a backup plan. We have something else we can kind of progress on to, um, which is really encouraging because and I think you know especially the, the way that. Uh, I've, you know, outside of even the post, I really like the way he's being used. Like when they are running something, he's not just stationed on the block and taking up space. Like teams still have to guard him because he's such a good, you know, such a good score all over the court. Like he sometimes he's stationed at the three point line and guys have the room protector has to come out or he's, he's spaced near kind of outside the elbow and that gives room for, for Simmons to cut or drive or something like that. So I'm mean, just really, like I said, I just the purpose, purpose is the term I keep coming back to. And I, th- I just keep, I really like how that's, you know, worked so far. Um, I don't think their offensive rating is necessarily great right now. There's been some extenuating circumstances and whatnot with them beat out of line up a little bit. And then obviously the game against uh, Denver, but um, yeah, we have to count that, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I, but like, like (laughs) you mentioned, I, it it has been encouraging to see the way guys are certainly kind of embracing and understanding docked offense and the, and the, the looks they're able to generate. It just seems like there's a lot more, um, there's less stagnation this year and there's a lot more kind of understanding that, okay, this first play doesn't work. Maybe the guy the defender fights over the screen. Okay. Let's just go to the next thing. Let's run into a dribble handoff with Seth or let's run a pick and roll with Tobias. Um, just a lot more purpose and understanding of how to make offense work if the first play fails. And I just wanted to double back to something you were saying about Danny green and his impact on this team and just going off of how he has played with big men before. So, you know, you get the, the five on five. Sometimes you're like outside and everybody's kind of like doing their own thing, just whatever. But then you get to the more, you know, organized stuff. And then you get those guys who talk to their teammates and are like, okay, where do you like the ball? Where do you want to station yourself? That kind of thing. Like the fact that you wrote about Danny asking those kinds of questions to Embiid, like it felt very like JJ Redick, like when even he was here 
And like that, that's something that that's something for a big man. Like he has to, he needs to know where his shooters are going to be. He needs to know where his teammates are going to be because like you said, Embiid is the best one-on-one post man in the NBA. Like if you try to guard him one-on-one, it's not going to work. So you're going to bring all kinds of help over and it helps if Embiid knows where the heck you're going to be. Yeah, that's huge. And I like, so when I was, when I was kind of putting the starters together, I was, you know, the Sixers put a ton of their media stuff on, um, on their YouTube page, which is really cool. I always try to, if, if fans want to see kind of what we're, what, you know, what media gets to see every game or you know, before or after games, I recommend going on there. Some really cool stuff at times. Um, but yeah, I was going through that and I still, I think it was the first, um, the first media session Danny had after the trade was, was, was announced or finalized or whatever. Um, and, you know, Kyle Newbeck of, of Philly Voice just asked, I think, I think it was Kyle asked about, um, you know, kind of Danny playing off of Embiid and, and Danny just they gave a really insightful answer. And I think, as you mentioned, that's important, like having that line of communication, knowing that this guy wants to like, ha- like has act like vocalizing that he has your best interests on the court. Like, like he wants to advance your goals and the team's goals and how to work around that is key. And I think that's definitely playing a part in, in this, this newfound or this heightened trust that Embiid has in his teammates and the way that Danny is, is working to, you know, spread that understanding of how to play off of a dominant post player to his other teammates um, is really important. You're seeing the benefits of that too. And I've, I've just been very impressed with the way that Danny kind of explained that because he, he didn't make it overcomplicated and use a bunch of basketball jargon. He just yeah. <laughs> he explained it simply in, in layman's terms, which is really, really cool. And it made it, it makes it easier for me to share that with, you know, obviously Danny knows way more than I know about basketball and I know more about basketball than maybe some of the readers who are reading my stuff and so but the fact that he was able to just say it in such a concise way um, that everyone can understand it regardless of how much they actually know about kind of the the terminology in basketball was super cool and so um just i just think danny like i i I think he's very much someone who um is a helps in the intangibles i don't want to overstate you know i think sometimes you know intangibles can be overstated but i certainly think he is someone who's you know impact on this team impact on joel joel's offense it's Um, important yeah, it go, and it goes beyond him averaging nine points a game and shooting 38% from three on, on five attempts and hitting a couple of nights. So um, he's been really, really cur- critical to their their good start so far. I mean, if you ask Draymond Green, then, you know, he, he's going to insinuate that not everybody knows anything about the game of basketball. That's a whole nother point. Um, <laughs> but I definitely agree that Danny's definitely going to have that kind of influence on these younger guys because they're going to like shake and cork Maz. They're going to see like what Danny's doing off ball when Joel has position in the post, he's doing his thing. And then they'll just come back on the floor and just say, okay, I'm just going to kind of do the same things that Danny was doing. And Embiid is on the floor. So I'll just be his Danny green while he's on the bench, taking a breather. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really curious to see, you know, assuming tonight's game gets player, I guess, I guess this will come out tomorrow. But assu- you know, I'm, what I'm curious to see, this is recording Monday. I'm curious to see how Maxi plays off of Embiid tonight. Um, because oh, it's going to be so should. much fun. Yeah, and they haven't played together a ton. Maxi's had a lot of free reign when he's been on the court. And so I'm curious to see you know, how, how Danny has helped him specifically because there haven't been many times in Tyrese Maxi's career where he hasn't been a feature offensive player. And he obviously gets to have the ball in his hands a lot you know, when he does play. But um, probably most likely starting alongside Embiid tonight, I'm curious to see how he works into that, into that role and how much, you know, how much Danny's you know, already passed on to him and where, where he needs to improve, how, he, how he's already helping. So um, just stuff like that is really key. Um, 
because like I mean, like because I think last year Kentucky had Nick Richards, who was a pretty good post player, but um, just a different dynamic when you go from you know a heralded recruit or star AAU player to you know the seventh man in the rotation playing alongside Joel and Beef. So I'm, <laughs> I'm curious to see kind of how much Danny is already helping him there and where that is progressing. Um, long way to go. Maxie's already you know made very significant steps forward in his first 10 games. Um, but I, I, I really am fascinated to see how that dynamic um, plays out and kind of maybe his first extended rung alongside uh, Embiid. Maybe he's already played again, played with him for a little bit this year, but um, I, just anecdotally off the top of my head, I don't recall them sharing the floor for, for long stretches to, to open the year. There's been a lot of Tyrese Maxi love on the site the last, <laughs> the, the last couple of days as you know, they, had to play that rec league game on Saturday. So Maxie got that extended run. <laughs> um, so the Sixers right now, they're seven and three. Uh, they are 11th in points per game, but they're fifth in pace and they're 17th in O rating. And yet they're seven and three. And you said this in the column, Embiid's usage rate is only 27.4%. And he's only getting 34.1 points per possession. Um or maybe I maybe I'm misquoting that, but um, those are career lows for so him. So he's at so right, so per 100 possessions he's at 35.5 now. Um, 35.5. I'm sorry, which is still a career low. And then his usage rate is up to 28.6 percent, which is still a career low. It's the first time it's been anything lower than 32.9 percent, which was last year. Um, so yeah, the offense is not running as exclusively through him as it has in past years for sure. And 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 this and this is the question that I'm leading to towards the, that effect. Like they're still seven and three though, and it's like I look at all these statistics and see what Embiid is doing and how this offense is running. And if I'm like a team in the Eastern Conference, I'm like, holy crap! I need to I need to change my underwear real quick because this is this is scary. This is not good. Like what what happens when they put all of this together in like March, April? We got to face these guys in a seven game series. Yeah, and I think I think the biggest thing you're seeing so far, because I mean, they're they're second defensive rating. That's where they're making their money. So. For, oh, yeah. So and, and that's and that starts with Embiid. Obviously, you know, Embiid and Simmons are the two best defenders. Um, Embiid anchors the paint. And he just seemed like he's been more sharp this year than he has in past years. And I think it's because he doesn't have to do as much, much offensively that he's able to kind of, you know, rekindle, um, you know, he, he talked about rekindling this love for passing, but I think he's also re- kind of rekindled some love for defense. Not that he's, he's ever, you know, disliked defense, but he just seems to be to a level that I haven't seen the last couple of years where he's, he's, he's still been excellent, but it just is a, to a different degree, I think. Um, but yeah, I think there, there certainly should be a lot of optimism around this team. Um, like I mentioned, I am curious to kind of see how defenses adjust, you know, once they realize, okay, Embiid, Embiid's more willing to, to pass out of doubles. We probably can't be as, you know, simplified with their standard with, it. you know, just, we can't just bring that. We can't just have whoever, whoever throws the entry pass to him, his man can't just double for us, you know? So um, you, hear, you hear that Miami heat, you can't run that cowardly two, three zone anymore. Stop it. You see, yeah, you certainly can't. Yeah. I don't think you, can, you certainly don't think you can run a zone against the Sixers team and make that work, especially a team that, um, starting, you know, an undersized set. Obviously, Bam Adebayo was a great, great player, but um, Embiid makes him look very small because Embiid is a much bigger player. Yet. Um, and so, yeah, I don't think it's a two-three zone would work against them. But um, I am curious to kind of – I think I'll have more confidence in knowing exactly where I think this team can reach 
right now once you know defenses adjust a little more to, to how they're doubling Embiid. But um, there should be a lot of room for optimism because I think this team has been very, very good um, when Embiid's been on the floor. Um, there's obviously, they're, they're 7-1 with Embiid, so um, that's a very good start. And it's been a weird start to the year. I'm sure you could make some some similar caveats for other teams. Um, you know, obviously, the Celtics are 7-3 and three and Kemba hasn't played you know any games. So it's one of those things where there's a lot of – I think there's room for optimism with a lot of teams. But the Celtics are – excuse me, the Sixers are certainly – um, one of those teams that should be optimistic about how they how they can look going forward because they, they have a legit chance to be really, really good this year, and they're off to a great start, obviously, tied for the best record in, in the East. The, the Sixers are 7-3. and three. The Celtics are 7-3, and three. and like you said, Kemba hasn't really played. And yet, they're the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, no KD, no Kyrie, and... Yeah, we. I, yeah, I. I told you guys from the beginning of the season that I wasn't really worried about Brooklyn. I told you that from the from the get go. I'm still kind of not worried about Brooklyn, but you know what? I'll probably be eating crow in about a month, so let me just stop right there. Uh, um, yeah, they're they're a weird team. I think it's they're one of those very things. weird. It's it's, it's going to take some time, and they're going to have to just get consistent. Uh, they've just been so up. You know, they had a few games where they looked good, and then. Boom, especially didn't be towards ACL. They had to adjust the rotation. Kyrie and or KD had contact tracing. Kyrie's out for some personal reasons that whatever they may be. <laughs> yeah. And, and hopefully, hopefully he's okay. But um, yeah, they're just, I think it's going to be one of those things where they're just going to have to get some, some consistency with, you know, this new rotation. It seems like every week they're dealing with something new. Um, but yeah, it hasn't been a great start for them. They've had some kind of confusing losses, but I do think, you know, by, Whenever midseason is, I don't, even, I don't even know what the time frame is <laughs> at this point. Um, they should look pretty good, but but yeah, it has been a weird start to the year um, for them, and it's been a really good start to the Sixers Sixers season. And that's one of those things where sometimes you just need a two two game advantage or whatever through ten games, and then it ends up being the difference through through seventy two. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's been the, the East is really fascinating to me. I don't exactly know what to make of it, and that's that's kind of the fun of it. Yeah, I mean the 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 east is the the east is the east and the west is the west, you know. The 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 Nuggets have Jokic, my my favorite big man in the NBA. I've made I I do not apologize for saying that ever. Um the the Lakers are on cruise control and they're still, you know, pulling things off like I yeah, uh, still the best record in the league at eight. Still the rest <laughs> still the best record in the league. LeBron and AD are on cruise control. Like that's not that's not fair. Like I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's that's I mean when you when you kind of cruise to a title last year you, oh my god you get to you uh you get some you seem to have quite a considerable talent and uh you know, talent and execution advantage and you're seeing that but like even the bucks who were off to where start they're still in a game behind um the sixers and celtics and i know i know net rating doesn't mean anything really with them anymore but they still lead the nba in net rating um obviously that 50 point win or whatever over the heat that absurd game boosts that but they're a team that i think is certainly going to be vying for for a high seat again um as we mentioned, the Nets are probably going to figure out at some point here. I don't know if that's going to be reflected in earning a top two C, but they're going to figure it out probably if they can kind of get some consistency in the rotation. So, um, yeah, and I think the, but the Sixers look good, and they kind of – and all of it stems from the offense they've built around Embiid, and I am really curious to kind of see how how things shake out um, moving forward with, with the East and them, them specifically whenever they can get a, a roster back that actually compliments Embiid yeah. whenever, whenever that is. It's funny. We're, do, <laughs> we're doing this podcast and the Sixers are going to have played uh, another game when it releases tomorrow and they won't have Seth. They won't have shake. We you know, really want to know who the hell is playing. Yeah. Yeah. We've mentioned all these guys that are helping Embiid. And half <laughs> aren't going to be playing against the Hawks oh on, on Monday. God. Oh my God. Jackson Frank, first timer on the out of sight podcast. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, talking to us about 
Embiid's uh, maturation on offense here from passing standpoint, this new offense they're building around him looks real good after 10 games or, you know, the, the, the eight games that everybody's been available for. Yeah. I appreciate having me on. Yeah. It's fun. I like it. Like I mentioned, I don't think the sixth offensive rating is necessarily reflective of how good it's looked with them being on the floor. And I'm curious to kind of see where exactly it lands throughout the year. But again, I appreciate you having me on to talk Sixers, talk East, and just, just talk some hoops to take, take our minds off of whatever's going on in the, the NBA currently. Oh my God. Uh, final thing, uh, plug whatever you like podcast you got going on Twitter, uh, other stuff on Liberty ballers, uh, little slick teasers of future columns you got coming up um so i just wrote an article on dime upracks about demonis sabonis another very good big man uh whose offense is built around him uh you can follow me on twitter at jack frank underscore jjf i'm sure I'll, i'm going to try and maybe do some sixers observation piece in the next two weeks or so over at liberty Baller. don't know when exactly that'll come but um got some thoughts in my head that um are 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 stirring so be on the lookout for that at some point in in you know in the second half of january and uh i think the kind of the i don't i don't want to ask people to follow me on twitter but i think the easiest way to get, get my thoughts on get, the easiest way to get my thoughts on sixers nba anything really is just tw- twitter at jack frank underscore djf all the places i write are linked to my bio there so that's kind of the the one-stop shop to, to find all my thoughts on nba and, and basketball related uh, endeavors Jackson Frank, making it efficient for everybody. Uh, thanks again for coming on. Appreciate having you. Can't wait to have you back on again because this is a fun conversation. I love this. Right on. Thank you. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.